This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. And I think when people talk about the environmental impact of golf courses, it's many things. Water use is top of mind. Uh, the amount we mow and manicure the space and the natural habitats that we destroy. And then the positive aspect of a golf course is if the land is taken care of, it can actually sequester carbon. And yeah. and I believe it's wetlands uh, sequester a, a lot of carbon as well. So yeah, it's all about a balance. And I don't know if one of you want to talk about it, but I learned that in Iceland, they're actually measuring the carbon output, whether carbon negative or carbon positive, every single golf course in Iceland. I mean, that's really great. And and I think that's an answer to Leaky's question. And I think you answered both both questions. I mean, the, the first being loans are really bad for the environment. So, I mean, Leaky's wondering what good will um, the golf course be since loans are bad for the environment. But then the lesser the mowing, the more um, carbon the lawns can sequester, which is really great, considering actually that we need all we can get right now. <laughs> I think the final thing we need to talk about here is can, can we actually play on brown lawns? Is that possible? Or is it boring for golfers? I don't think it's boring. No, you can definitely... I mean, I don't know if this is because we don't let it happen. I've never played on a 100% brown lawn area. There are patches here and there uh, due to water stress. And I know in California, it's way different. And I I, uh, haven't really, I played in California once. And I definitely prefer, like when you're in California, you kind of want to experience California and the desert Uh, I played in uh, Palm Springs and like the desert atmosphere was something that I was there to experience. So to me, Mm. you know, I don't expect the lush, rough and fairway. And plus your ball goes farther when it's when it's dry like that. Yeah. For me, the action point here is really just have the conversation i mean i've learned a lot from having this conversation with you and and tanya so my take home here is is i mean talk about this more and and i think we should probably do this again because we need to talk about this more and especially with people in the golfing community yeah and and tanya what what would be your your action point i mean what would you say about this at the moment, water is top of mind for me here, living in California. I don't want to keep harping on water, but that's <laughs> that yeah. is just where it's at for me. That is what's in front of my face. And and you know, one of the things that the article mentioned yesterday was that golf courses who you know that are using recycled wastewater are not um, falling under the restrictions you know the changes they don't need to make quite the changes but everyone is being tracked these large landscape areas they're being monitored um, to come up with some alternative plan because homeowners now in certain parts of the state can only water twice a week Mm -hmm. and the large landscape areas like a golf course can come up with another plan and also and added to that they need to reduce their water usage to her by 5%, you know, compared to their historical uses. But the folks, the courses that use wastewater, recycled wastewater, don't have to at this point. Uh, But, you know, come September, things may change 
more if changes aren't made between now and September. So the water district says, and the state says. So what do I take away from this? I think that there there needs to be a lot of work, a lot of fine balance between recreation and natural resource management. I think we need to have more different conversations and kind of take conversations uh, where we've never taken them, regardless of the sport, the activity. You know, it could be, you know, single track mountain yeah. biking. It could be, you know, the golf, uh, of course, you know, fishing and hiking and yeah. and all of that. I know, again, because of the water issue, there's uh, a trail in Joshua Tree National Park that's been closed yeah. because of um, the bighorn sheep. And they want to just reserve that space and whatever water happens to be there for the sheep and keep the people out of there. So, yeah, there's lots to consider. It's not it's not quite an easy decision because there's so many yeah. stakeholders involved. Yeah, they are. Uh, Tanya, uh, what you said about recycled water is one of the solutions. And so I just want to bring that to light. A lot of other golf courses are looking at the parts of the golf course that they're managing, actively managing, like you said. Like I've seen examples of some golf courses who aren't managing every square inch of the driving range, for instance. They're just putting targets out there and reducing mm. water. So there are solutions out there that we need to look at. Mm. Um, and the other thing that I think makes golf courses an opportunity to learn from is that there's really science uh, and measurement and data that could be used to learn how moisture can be retained and, and used better throughout a golf course. So I hope to see more of that in the future as well. All right. That sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. And we'll chat next time. Sam, what do you think the response of players will be when really widespread changes are going to happen on golf courses before environmental reasons, you know, natural resource management. And do you think there'll be uh, more resistance or will people just go along with it? Especially, you know, given the fact that um, already maintaining the course is part of the practice, you know, with the, the seeds in the back of the courts and a uh, back of the cart and we, uh, repairing divots and that type of a thing. I think what I'm noticing is, I mean, before, Two years ago and the start of the COVID pandemic, golf was on a decline. Uh, it it picked, up, picked back up again because people were looking for something to do outdoors. But I think it needs to attract younger players. And I think and hope that the younger players will demand more of a sustainable track to play on. So I think it'll be acceptable, but also... I think there's so much opportunity to leverage the research and the data that we can look at to make golf courses more sustainable so we don't run into these problems in the first place. I mean, that's my, that's my vision of uh, uh, carbon uh, beyond sustainable. Uh, I heard on a podcast, the beyond sustainable golf course, that's actually adding to the environment instead of taking away from it. That's where I hope we can get. And and then water restrictions wouldn't wouldn't be such a such an issue. Yeah. And, and, you know, where horses are located, there's especially out here, there's so much urban space and they're huge. You know, there's homes built right around them and a lot of cases. Yeah. So I, I wonder myself how how this will 
play out? Because some courses are built with the intention of keeping a natural landscape, as you've said, and others are not. You know, they're they're really part the draw for a housing development. And I don't know how to fix those because that you know because then there's issues of the homeowners and what they what they want and the HOA and and all that, right? And all there's so many layers yes, of complexity. That's a tough one. I don't know <laughs> if I have an answer for that. In in general, I feel like people like me will be more forgiving, but I don't know how many people like me there are out there. So I think it's been amazing having this conversation with you, Sam and Tanya. I had such a great time. And I mean, in summary here, it's, it's it's about sustainable management. So if we keep talking about sustainable management, drip by drip in bits, then we can start making the change that, that we need. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you both for having this conversation. To reduce my carbon footprint, uh, I firstly try to consume less in general in my life, less plastic, less everything, especially one-time disposable things I don't want to consume or plastic bags I don't want to consume. Plus, I'm biking almost every day and I try to slow down my actual life in general. And besides, I am also spear fishing. I, I try not to buy any fish or anything from the market. So I try to also produce as much as possible, even in, in our balcony, but this is marginal, actually, to tell you the truth. And what else? The, the most important thing I keep thinking is the biking, actually. So I try to uh, use less gas in my life in general. And I try to live on the biking or walking on food, this kind of more slower life in general I prefer. And I believe, and lastly, I also try to uh, pay attention to the clinic products at home. Uh, I try to consume less uh, harmful products to clean home or other things. I try to make sure that I try to make, uh, make best products, produce, uh, consume best products, uh, good for environment. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect, and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again, as together we can change the world.